Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1142. Always park with leaving in mind. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dennis Savage. Hey, Dennis, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Well, I have a loose-flowing chair to give me room to move around if I need to. I got a headset on with a mic, and I'm ready to go. All right. I love it when my guests come prepared. That is very cool. Dennis Savage is the producer of the YouTube channel, Bring Them Back to Life. He spends his time traveling around the country, interviewing salvage yard owners, creating what he calls memory candy through the old cars and trucks he finds in their caretakers. Dennis was raised riding in Model Ts, Model As, homemade doodlebugs, we'll have to ask him about those, tearing cars including a Pierce Arrow and his grandpa's 1934 Rolls Royce. He and his fiancée Renee eloped in a 57 Chevy they named the Blue Angel, and that started a 50-year love affair with Tri-5 Chevrolets. Dennis loves the challenge of getting old cars running again and then making them go and stop. So Dennis, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment? and share a little bit more about the fun you're having in your career and your passion for automobiles. Well, the fun is walking through salvage yards, doing things that I've done all my life to find pieces and parts for my classic Chevys. But now I walk through, instead of a 9 and a half inch wrench, I walk through with a camera and a mic. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, very cool what you're doing. You know, I love it when people are sharing history and preserving it in a case. And that's really what you're doing, right? I am trying to help avoid good restorable classics and antiques from going into crushers when somebody might be looking for them. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, we're recording this show on a Monday. I just came back from the Ironstone Concord down in Murphy's, California, and there were over 410 cars at this show, all different kinds of cars, cars as old as a 1911 race car. I rode in a 1912 Packard race car. Muscle cars, American cars, classic Europeans. And, you know, when you, when you go to car shows like this, you realize these are cars that have been saved and preserved. And, and what you're doing is oh so important because you're right. So many of these things end up being crushed and destroyed or, or never preserved again or restored again, or even, even parts taken off to be used to preserve other cars. What, what kind of started you on this passion that you've got here for these old cars? Well, I had been involved in a television show for a number of years. I have a degree in communications, radio and television. And I had a television show. We were all volunteers. And I traveled around the New England area getting stories, testimonies, high-quality music from people that I trusted that would represent their their skills and talents. And the volunteers, were we all were friends, and we were kind of like a family. And then some of us started getting sick. And my editor's wife died of cancer, and then one of my producers got cancer and died. And one thing led to another, and so many of them died that there wasn't enough left to keep us going. So my wife and I said, we've got to stop. We can't fund this all by ourselves. And I was kind of discouraged. uh, And I said, well, I'll just go back to working on my classics. Uh, My wife and I have a barn full of 56 Chevys. 
and I'll watch NASCAR racing because I have a racing history as well. You know, my dad, me, our, my son raced. And one day I sat down to watch the, uh, the NASCAR race on a Sunday afternoon and I picked up a magazine that I subscribed to called Cars and Parts magazine. And I realized as I opened it every month when the magazine came, I opened up to the last page to look at what they called the junkyard roundup. And it's like it sucked me in every time. So that day when I sat down, I said, what is it about this that pulls me in? You know, I'm a Christian and I pray and I hear God sometimes and he's kind of whispered in a voice, I'm giving you a TV show. Get going. <laughs> and it, it, This and, is great. <laughs> and I realized, oh, wow. And I, and I walked away from the television. I came in here, sat down at this computer, and I typed out a complete plot development from start to finish. And I said, wow, I just missed the whole race. <laughs> but when I was done, I said, now, now what do I do with it? And I said, oh, the magazine. I went back in and I got the cars and parts. I came out, I'm flipping through. I said, who's the editor of this thing anyway? It was Greg Rager. So I said, huh, he ought to know what just happened to me. So I sent the whole, the whole thing to him. And I said, Greg, what do you think? The next morning, Sunday, uh, Monday morning at 8.30, he sent an email back. He says, Dennis, you and I must have the same 10W30 in our blood. Go for <laughs> it. Go for it. I'll help you any way I can. And he did. Wow. He, inv he invited me and my wife to his office in Florida. We had a meeting with him. He watched some of my videos, and he gave me good constructive criticism. And then he wow. said, now you go home and you copyright this. This is good stuff. I know the industry. Somebody will steal it from you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah. And I, I did what he said. And then I, I found a little group that was gathering to have a, a film festival and produce videos in southern New England. I joined them. I told them what I was wanting to accomplish. They welcomed me in. They helped me. I created a pilot and started showing it around to some film festivals. And people laughed. They enjoyed it. They thought it was fun and funny. And I said, okay, I got something here. I'll just keep going. <laughs> Wow. You know, this is an incredible story, and I love stories like this because it's what Cars Yeah! is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And Dennis is an inspiring automotive enthusiast who took his passion and figured out a way to create a life and business around it, a career, and, and enlighten people and share what he loved with other people. So my golden nugget from that quick little story, Dennis, is listen to those little voices that come to you, follow their guidance wherever they're coming from, because you know what? They're almost, I won't even say almost, they are always right. They are always right. Well, as we continue on your journey, I would like to for you to share a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has formed your success and helped you move along. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Dennis, take the wheel. My mantra, you know, that was a while I had to figure out where I was going to get that. But I, it finally dawned on me, always park with leaving in mind. Mm. Now, elaborate <laughs> elaborate on that a little bit, because that is the first time I've ever heard that one. Well, you may not have seen a movie that was a hit a number of years ago based on Clyde Barrows and his girlfriend, Bonnie. <laughs> oh, those two characters. Okay, yeah. And he used to steal Fords with VH because he could outdrive everybody, and he always had to park knowing he may leave with problems behind him, and he uh, yeah. wanted to get away in a hurry. <laughs> but it makes sense if you always park with leaving in mind you park on a beautiful sunday afternoon you come out in the dark 
You got to back up into a place you don't know where you are. You're going to run over a cone or a light post or something that you didn't see. Now, always park so you can leave and see where you're going. (laughs) You know, I'm smiling because uh, I do that quite often. I'll often back into a spot so when I come out at night, I can pull out forward. I don't have to back up or worry. I'm always looking what's around me so I don't accidentally back into something because my listeners know I'm so picky about cars. But that's a great mantra. That's the first time that's been shared here, and I'm surprised. But uh, something that I think a lot of our listeners will take to heart next time they go and park their car somewhere. Hopefully, they're not robbing a bank when they do that. Don't don't rob banks. That's a bad thing. But uh, at any rate, yeah, that's a great one. Well, let's go back in time because you have a family history of cars. So no doubt this blood that runs through your veins is the motor oil, I should say, has been a part of you for your whole life. But is there a pivotal moment in your in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy for sure? Uh, I would have to say it was when my mom and dad had moved away, leaving me a college student at the University of Connecticut. And knowing they weren't coming home, and I had two uncles who were professional mechanics, and I wasn't. And I kind of realized I had a 57 Chevy, and I was on my own, but I had two uncles. And they kind of took me in. You know, they they taught me a lot of basics. They showed me stuff, <laughs> even though they were Ford guys. <laughs> they were still my uncles. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they're families. You got to love them. <laughs> I, w- I was, I was going to be a car guy, whether I liked it or not. I had to fix my 57 Chevy. And when it was too rotten to repair anymore, unless you were a professional welder, which I wasn't, I found a 56 that needed a whole lot of work that wasn't rotten. So I had a 57 with a 283 three-speed in it, and I had all the parts I needed to keep a 265 running in a 56. You know, this is fun. And so many times that uh, we have family members that are around us that can help us and kind of spur us on. My dad kind of got me started. He had a 49 MGTC when I was a little, little boy. I know that was the thing that got me going with old cars. And every time I walk by an MG to this day, an old TC or a TD, and I saw some of those at the Ironstone event this past weekend, I just smile because it just brings back those uh, fantastic memories. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, Dennis, and talk about a big challenge or a big failure because these are great learning lessons for us. They help us move forward and they help us grow most of the time if you embrace them the right way. Uh, Take us through one of those challenges or failures you've had and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your business, your career, and your life. Well, the cars are actually a hobby that got out of hand, but it got out of hand because I needed to drive vehicles and I could buy classic Chevys for about 30 years quite cheaply because they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, over the three years, there were like 4,500,000 of them made. So they were pretty plentiful and they were reasonable price. So I could keep them running myself. But over the years, I, I met a friend who was a neighbor at the time. And the local newspaper had done a little article on my son. He was 16 years old, a high school senior, and he had welded a roll cage that was custom bent for a four-door Chevelle. He had freshened a 350 engine in VOAG in high school and put the car together to race at our local speed track. So my neighbor came and knocked on the front door and he said, I'm an Amsoil synthetic lubricant dealer. I'd be interested in sponsoring your son's race car if you'll let me put all the fluids in it. And I said, well, come in and teach us about this Amsoil stuff. He did. And he said, if you let me put the fluids in the car, I will be at the racetrack every week. I will make sure there's nothing going wrong and you'll have it in the car for as long as you're racing. 
Well, I learned enough about Amsoil from who became my very good friend, Ernie, that I said, you know, why don't I run this in my street cars? Because I'm seeing what it does in race cars. I said, so you can stop putting it in my street cars. Well, after a few years, he was reaching retirement age from his career, and he wanted to relocate to a warmer climate. So I was going to have to buy my Amsoil from a retail shop that I didn't know, someone I didn't know, or order it through him in Florida, and that didn't make sense. So he said, why don't you become a a downline dealer under me? It's multi-level marketing. Everybody pays the same price. Everybody charges the same price, and I'll get a commission when you buy or you sell. I became an Amsoil dealer. And the more I learned about it and the more I learned how good it was for my cars, the more I started to go out and sell it. And I I started going to businesses that I thought would be interested, and I got some retail accounts. And then I tried to land an account with a local utility company, which would have been a substantial account. So I said, well, let me do an oil and filter change on one of your trucks, and you monitor that truck, and you tell me the results you get. Well, it was all over and done. He was really happy with it, but he was just a supervisor in the maintenance shop. Couldn't reach management. So I had to find another way to reach management. Well, Amsoil is actually more friendly for the environment than petroleum. It can be recycled. It can be burned in in hot uh, heaters. Uh, it can it can do anything that petroleum does, but it's made from actual polyalpha olefin, which is from plants. So based on the fact that it's more environmentally friendly, I started going to meetings of environmentalists and sharing my story and what it did. Well, in one meeting was two representatives from the actual utility department were there. And I said, oh, here's my chance. Yeah. When I explained the benefits of using polyalpha olefins over petroleum to someone representing a city that's known as a green city, their eyes opened up because they didn't know about it. But they were doing so many other things to become a green city. This made it a no-brainer for them. So one one said to the other, why aren't we doing this? They said, we don't know. Can we find out more about it? And I said, go ask your maintenance supervisor. He's got all the information on the truck that I sponsored that you own. Well, the next week, I got a call from him. And he said, hey, hey, Dan, this is Tom. Come on down and set us up with an account. I, we were told to switch to Amsoil. Wow. So, so, so now I have that information that I can share with other heads of departments or try to get to manage. Hard to reach management. But, you know, I mean, just being a guest on your show could open doors for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, I can see how at first a huge challenge because anytime you're trying to make a change, especially in a government bureaucracy where change is not part of their normal thought of process. They don't want to change anything, especially their place in the in the the political world or in the in the business world. They just want everything to just stay the same and just not be bothered. But it, it's a wonderful story, and it's something that a lot of people may not know about Amsoil out there. I learned that years ago, but I think it's something that needs to be put out there even more because of the environmental friendliness of the product and the whole concept behind the product. So that's a great story, absolutely fantastic, and a, a sign of your tenacity and your persistence. Uh, to stay with something. I think that's fantastic. And to think around around the circle here a little bit. Let's shift gears and talk about a career aha moment. Now, you've done a lot of different things in your life. I would assume there's a big aha moment story in there somewhere. Oh, boy. I probably have a number of small ones. I think the, the neatest aha was finding out about YouTube and how to get involved with YouTube and what they can offer almost anyone 
who has a dream. I started with a couple of trailers and they were they were getting some visibility, but not, you know, not doing a whole lot. And I, I didn't have any whole episodes. I had the pilot that I had shared in film festivals. You know, then things started happening that, of course, are totally out of my control. I've had to put this dream on on the shelf two or three times because I would run into a situation and says, wow, the, <laughs> this is it. You know, what do I do? I'm, Go do something else for a while. But I, I was starting to get the encouragement to keep going. I saw someone advertising on one of the big cable channels that there was a car show coming up. And, and they had a name for it that was out of, out of um, Arizona. And I looked at the ads and I go, wow, that, that sounds interesting, but it, it sounds awfully close. So I have to wait for it to come out. Well, I waited for the first episode and I said, those rascals. Somebody got one of my pilot shows on the West Coast and copied my show. It was my plot development, and I could prove it. So I said, well, now i got to find an attorney. You know, copyright doesn't mean anything unless you've got an, a, a legal department to back it up. I'm trying to find an attorney. What's it going to cost me to send this big channel a cease and desist because I can prove I own that plot development? I was right in that process when I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. So I said, well, all right, what's more important, my dream or my health? Realistic, you know, I got a wife, I got kids, I got grandkids, put the, sh put the show on the shelf, get through this cancer thing. So I was kind of really discouraged, of course, and it's a little scary when somebody tells you you got cancer. You know, my wife is a nurse, and she was going to a conference down in Baltimore, and she said, you know, you're an EMT. You talk to anybody. She said, why don't you come with me to the conference? I got something I can give you to do, an assignment. You can go out and get information for me. And, and, and she said, I'll, I'll feel better if you're with me. So I said, all right, let, let's go to Baltimore. So she was driving the leg of the trip going down into Maryland. And there was a standard commercial billboard on the side of the road. It said thousands of men will die this year from stubbornness. I wonder what that means. Well, I wrote down the address. So when we got to the motel, I went to that website and I go, huh, that makes sense. That's why everybody always picks on men for being stubborn. It's because, you know, some, something goes wrong. You got a little spot of blood here or a little pain there. And, oh, I'll be okay. Oh, I'll be okay. Next thing you know, you're getting brought into the emergency department. You're a dead man walking because you didn't get help fast. You didn't find out what's going on. Let's get this under control. So I looked at that and I said, you know, I'm not stubborn. I got help immediately. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be fine, and I'm going to document my journey. So I went to the doctors, the nurses, the hospital. I went to the whole chain. I got everybody to sign waivers. I said, look, I'm a professional video producer. I have a TV show. I want to document my journey so that I can put it on the Internet and men can see, don't be an idiot. Get help fast and live. Don't be stubborn. So right. I, I named my documentary, I Am Not Stubborn. <laughs> and I, I, I put a nice little trailer out there. I haven't finished the documentary because right now my TV show about cars is more important. And it costs money to, to do editing. So, But I have all the documentation, first person, real time, what it's like to be diagnosed with and go through and survive cancer of the bladder. Wow. Well, you know, what a wonderful story to share with us. A, a very personal story, obviously. And I am so happy that you are doing well today. Your story brings up a, a great guest I had here on Cars. Yeah, Debbie Baker, who is the president of a huge car show in California called Cruising for a Cure. They have over 3,500 cars that show up. And her whole thing is to promote men's awareness of prostate cancer. There's another cancer that, that men tend to ignore. They tend to 
not want to think about, and it's so easy to catch early. And her uh, her pre-screening that occurs at her car show for men uh, has caught hundreds and hundreds of, of men who didn't even know that they were in line for a very rude awakening, uh, very early enough to save them. I and mean, she saved hundreds of lives. So I really appreciate you you sharing that wonderful story with us today. Yeah, us guys, we tend to just ignore this kind of stuff, and it's just stupid. It really is stupid. <laughs> we need to wake up, you know, because you catch this stuff early, and uh, you can beat it, and uh, life's too precious. So, uh, yeah, listen to Dennis's story, and don't be stubborn, for goodness sake. Well, let's talk about your first really special car. I have a feeling I know what this might be, but maybe you could talk about that and share a little memory you have about that vehicle. Well, of course, that would have to be the one you mentioned early in the show, the one I called the Blue Angel. Yes. There was a time when I was uh, between high school and college, and of course, I, I, I was in 4-H and FFA, so I was always lugging stuff around, and I needed a vehicle. A pickup is really handy, but if it's raining, you're out of luck. So the next best thing is a station wagon. You got space in the back, you got a little extra heavy suspension, you got a big tailgate you can open one way or the other, and station wagons are just awesome. So I had a station wagon, and it broke. It had had a serious failure, and my dad wasn't willing to put an engine in an older vehicle, so he said, oh, just get another car. And I said to my sister, I have a sister four years younger than me, and I said, wouldn't that be cool if dad brought home one of those 57 Chevys? And she said, oh, yeah, that would be cool. Never thinking it would happen. I was going to get another one of those other brands, whether I liked it or not. I said, All right. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get what dad brings home. Well, my dad brought home a 57 Chevrolet four-door hardtop, white over blue that had been repainted, so it looked pretty nice. And it was nothing special except it had a three-speed transmission with a floor shifter that said Hurst on it. And I was starting to, I was starting to learn about some, some gearhead talk. Yeah. Even, even though it was just a 283, there was nothing fancy. But I just needed a car. I was going to college. I was starting to date my wife in it. And one day she said, you know, we've been talking about getting married and I'm, I've had it with this college I'm in. They don't want women in this degree. They're making it really hard on me. Why don't we just get married and I'll start over later? I said, well, what are we going to do? She said, there's two states we can go to that don't require our parents' consent, Michigan and North Carolina. And I said, well, I'm not going to Michigan. My parents moved there. <laughs> <laughs> so we took the 57 Chevy and drove down to New York City, went into an airport, got an airline ticket flying standby to North Carolina, went, took a taxi to Greensboro, North Carolina, got married by a JP on Monday morning, took the taxi back to the local airport, flew back to New York City, got in the Blue Angel. I took her back to college and I said, well, go do all your paperwork. I'll pick you up next weekend. And I went back to Yukon. So our first week of marriage was in two separate states. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but the 57 Chevy, the Blue Angel, was, was our ticket out of Connecticut to get married. We just loved that car. It was part of our life. In fact, when my dad brought it home, she and I were cleaning the whole car out, polishing everything, took the carpets out of it to vacuum the floor. It was a wedding band under the yeah. carpet. <laughs> no way! That was my wife's first ring. <laughs> oh, my. I tell you, the stories just keep getting better with you, Dennis. And uh, Dennis, I'm going to ask you something here. I hope you don't mind. But, you know, I'm, we're doing this in Skype so I can see Dennis. 
Dennis isn't really exactly a 20 or 30 year old. How, are, how old are you today, Dennis? Well, I mentioned earlier when I was talking to you, my, my birthday was September 17th. That was Monday. I turned 70. Wow. Well, happy belated birthday. <laughs> very nice. You're a very young 70-year-old. That's for sure. Well, how about Seller's Remorse? Is there a car you let go you really wish you had back in your life? I'm guessing there might be a few. Actually, I saved almost all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why my wife and I have a barn full. A barn but, uh, full. <laughs> there, there were a couple that I, I fought to hold on to, but just had nowhere to put them at the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew this was going to happen, but, you know, we were a young teenage married couple. We started having our three kids, you know, right away. And I didn't find a career that really suited me for a few years. It was kind of tough getting going. And I wasn't a mechanic. I couldn't mm-hmm. just go to the garage and get a job. I, I could change a starter if my uncle told me where to put the wires back. I, I never, still can't put all eight cylinder wires in the distributor, right? And start the car the first time. <laughs> but I try and I yeah. have. But yeah. um, there was a time when um, I knew they were going to be worth money. I had a 56 Tudor hardtop Bel Air that I got very, very reasonably, had a 265 in it, a pretty decent car, had nowhere. I, the landlord said, get that out of the yard or I'm, I'm calling the police. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations. I had nowhere to put it. So I yeah. took it to the salvage yard. Yeah. I had my own grandfather's 55 Studebaker President two-door with a Continental V8 in it that I inherited. Ooh. I had nowhere to put that. Yeah. That went to the salvage yard. It's like, oh, I, I, I get upset, but I said, no, I saved 40. I can't complain about the two <laughs> <No>. I lost. <laughs> no griping here when you say something like that. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit more about your YouTube channel, Bring Them Back to Life. Tell us a little bit about those folks that haven't already discovered you, what they're going to see, what the experience is all about, uh, so that they can go there and enjoy it. Obviously, it's easy to find on YouTube, Bring Them Back to Life, with Dennis Savage. So tell us a little bit about this, uh, this YouTube venture you're doing. And that's what I love about you, Dennis, because, you know, you think of YouTube is for younger people. No, no, no. You know, us older guys can do stuff. We can do podcasts. We can do YouTube. We can do all this stuff. It's very easy. It's out there and it's darn right just about free. That's right. It's not, not only is, is it almost free. I've been on it for a long time, actually. And you know, they try to encourage everybody that's part of them. They, they, you know, they give you updates every month. And when I hit a thousand subscribers, oh, they sent me a note with bananas all over it and said, wow, big bananas. <laughs> I had a thousand subscribers. <laughs> you know, it's like, I said, oh, great. I'm going to get monetized. And then they said, yeah, you're monetized. And then in their world, you know what hit the fan a few months back with YouTube and, and all the uh, legal issues and the owner going to Congress. And yeah, I hit the thousand mark right when all that was happening. It's like yeah. everything shut down. I go, yeah, there goes my monetization. You know, I've been yeah. working at this a long time and now it's whoop, okay. What do I do now? Keep doing shows. Yep. Keep doing shows. And, you know, 70-year-old guys can get on YouTube because I have a 23-year-old grandson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I, help you with some of the IT stuff. <laughs> well, I, I go out and get the video, and I bring it to him, and I say, okay, Robbie, make me look good. Here's the video. <laughs> there you go. There, you know, you know, and that story is, is really important because my son works for Google, so I'm, I'm always asking him for help. Of course, he gave me a little sign here, and I'm I know that – our listeners can't see this, but I'm going to show it to, to Dennis. 
Yeah, I don't know. Google it. Says, it. Yeah. IDK, Google it. I don't know. And every time I call Blake and say, hey, I'm trying, he goes, Dad, just Google it, okay? Uh, I'm really busy. Call me back later. Goodbye. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just Google it. Well, tell us, uh, tell us about Bring Them Back Alive. Well, Bring Them Back to Life. What can people ex- expect to see when they uh, watch your shows? The first three episodes is me walking through a local salvage yard in Preston City, Connecticut. That's where I grew up, and I have known Bob Kleeman, George Kleeman, their sister and their father since I was a kid. So I spent time at Kleeman's Auto Parts, and I have cars that went to Kleeman's Auto Parts. So when I wanted to do the show and I had the idea, I went out to Preston City, and I said, Bob, I have this idea for a television show. You'll think it's crazy because you own a salvage yard, and you see it every day. You just walk by the cars every day. But a lot of us love to see things that you have. So can I go in your yard with my camera and walk through and try to get the visuals that are in my mind on camera so that I can put a TV show together? And he said, yeah, sure. He said, the only thing I ask is you you stop in my office and tell me when you're coming and go in and come back and tell me you're you're out. So your so car doesn't fall on your head and we never find you again. <laughs> Whatever. So that was the that was the parameters I had because we've known each other a long time. So based on that, I started putting the idea together and like, okay, what's this car? I know it's a 30s. So I better get my books. I got lots of books because I don't know all the cars from the 20s and 30s. I was born in 48. You know, it's like I have to study those. I have to look at the pictures. I go, okay, now I got that one. And then I go in and I do a little a little audio on it. So the 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 first three episodes involves mostly Cleman's auto parts and a 57 Chevy that I found in a salvage yard that was from your part of the country. It came from Oakland, California, and was driven cross country and wound up being in a front end crunch that wasn't too serious, but got hooked off the road. The owner didn't go claim it for some reason, and it got towed to a salvage yard. A friend told me it was there. I went and found it. The owner said, yeah, go ahead up the hill. It's up at the top on the left. So I walked by. I must have gone by 50 Mopars with Hemis in them to get up to that 57 Chevy. Because this guy was a Hemi guy. He loved his Mopar. But he had that 57 Chevy. So I went up and I found it. And I'm looking at it. It looked pretty sad. The windows broken, bat marks, rock marks. The kids had vandalized it when it was in the in the yard, in the pen. So I'm looking at the car since I'm missing something. What am I not seeing about this car? My, my emotions were, were all, all skewed because it looked like a piece of junk. Yet my head is saying, no, it's not a piece of junk. Look, look closer. Well, I realized that the, the little back window was broken and hanging down on the quarter panel. So I went over and I picked it up and it said, classic Chevrolet Club of California. A little sticker was holding the glass together. So I said, I said oh, I'm not seeing any rat holes. That's what's missing. So I, I reached under the rocker panel and I felt the whole inner rocker was there. Then I reached in further and drew my fingers across the frame. There's no seam. This is a California car. So I opened the door and sure enough, VC57O for Oakland. I, this is a restorable car. I don't care how bad it's damaged. I walked around, lifted the hood. Nothing missing. Radiator, 283, everything was there. I went back and looked at the odometer. I said, 50? No, 60,000. This car hasn't even been up to the 100,000 mark yet. I'm taking this baby home. I walked back 
walked all the way back down and I walked over to the guy and I said, you know, that's a restorable car. He goes, yeah, I know, but yeah, who wants a four-door? I said, I do. I said, I, I tell you what, I'll buy the car from you if you'll give me a bill of sale from your dealer side, not your salvage yard. Because if I take that home, I'm going to get it registered. He said, yeah, I can do that. So I said, well, what do you have to get for it? And he told me, I said, hmm, we can work on that. I said, I'll give you what you're asking, but I got to go home and get a trailer and come back during the week. He said, where do you live? Now, this was across the border in Rhode Island. So I said, well, I live across the border in Connecticut, about 15 miles. He goes, you live anywhere near that restaurant in Plainfield? I go, yeah, I live on the road down the street from there. He said, I'm taking my wife there for supper. He said, buy the car. I'll follow you home. Drop it in your yard. Nice. Nice. That's how I got (laughs) the the 57 Chevy that's on episode one, two, and three. It's the one I found in a salvage yard. And Bobby Kleeman helped me capture that memory of it coming out on a fork truck. He did it for me on a Saturday afternoon after work so I could recapture that image I had of the guy in Rhode Island bringing it on on his fork truck and setting it on his rollback. Yeah. Bobby Kleeman did that for me. So that that image I had to recapture. But everything else is true about that car. And it's now a registered driving car. Very nice. Well, I would encourage listeners... Go to YouTube. Just It's simple to find. Bring them back to life. You're going to find all sorts of very cool shows. Very much fun. Uh, you can tell by now Dennis is a great guy to hang with. So uh, I encourage you to check out his YouTube page. I'll make sure I put a link on Dennis's show notes page here on the Cars Yeah website. All right, Dennis, here's a very introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car, what would Dennis be and why? Oh, I would have to be what would be called the ultimate station wagon. Okay. <laughs> and what the ultimate station wagon. Now, can you give us a little more detail what the ultimate station wagon is? It would be the one that would always work. You know, okay. the, the yeah. big six cylinder, you know, a V8 is great. They make a lot of power you don't always need. You, you need dependability in a dependable vehicle. The ultimate yeah. station wagon would have a, a solid, strong six cylinder, a three-speed transmission with overdrive, you would have a positive traction rear end because with that combination, you can go up and over almost anything. A trailer hitch to, to have emergency supplies behind you. Uh, you know, just you, you can build a station wagon into a lot of neat stuff and have the hauling capacity to keep things dry when it's raining, warm when it's cold. That I would be an ultimate station wagon. <laughs> there you go. Very nicely said. Well, Dennis, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. 
That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Dennis, we're back and we're entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the station wagon throttle. So here we go. (laughs) What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would have to say using 100% synthetic lubricants in every part of your drivetrain. There you go. There you go. Always a salesman, but always adding a benefit to the comments. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Just trying to be consistent. You said it earlier, and this is an important thing, and it's something I've learned with my podcast. I mean, uh, you're, you're guest number 1,142. When you're getting into something, you have to just keep doing it. Keep moving. Keep producing. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. And uh, th- good things will come, I promise you. Now, how about a resource? Your, what, you know, your YouTube page is a great resource, but is there another resource you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, in, in my case, um, I made a decision um, oh, back in 1975 that really changed me as a person. Yeah, I had a lot of good going for me. I had an interesting start in life. I had a wife who loved me, and uh, I just couldn't find a good career that matched me. I didn't know what all my skills were. And I had to come to a conclusion one day with, you know, this isn't working. I got to make a change. And my closest cousin when I was growing up was a a pretty dedicated Christian. And she kept telling me, if you ever need help, you just look to Jesus, ask Jesus to be your savior. And I said, well, this is a pretty good time to do that because I haven't ruined anything yet. I haven't lost (laughs) my marriage. I didn't lose my marriage. I I haven't made any bad decisions. I need help. So I, I went to church with my wife, and I made that commitment to Jesus. And then over the years, I said, I follow the Bible. Do what Jesus said. I take the words Mary said really, really to heart. Mary said when she was confronted what to do with the first miracle where Jesus made wine, they went to Mary. And they said, well, what do we do? And she said, do whatever he tells you to do. And I tell people, I don't care what denomination they might have grown up in, The words Mary had were the best words in the world. Do what my son says. And, you know, you make a lot of friends and you help a lot of people. And for the most part, people will love you for it. Absolutely. Nicely said. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? No doubt. Tucker. Oh, Preston Tucker. (laughs) You know, his name has come up a lot recently. Back in August, I was on the lawn at Pebble Beach. First time a Tucker has ever been on the lawn, which I found really interesting because I thought, wait a minute, I've been coming here for 30 years. This is the first time Tuckers have been here. And I think there were 
nine or 12 of them or something. Sean Tucker, who's been a guest on the show, is the great-grandson of Preston Tucker. And so his, he was there with his twin brother. Um, yeah, Preston Tucker would be a pretty darn cool guy to sit down with. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, as far as a book, I don't know if I've actually read the entire Bible. I probably have, but I can't state it as a fact. But I learned so much from what happened early in history and what's happening now. It's a pretty good standard to look at. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Been recommended many, many times here on Cars, yeah. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Dennis just shared on his Cars, yeah, show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Dennis Savage, and his page will pop right up. All right, we are up to the last question here. This last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world, but this is what makes it tough. It's the only cool collector car you can have. That's right. You got to get rid of all your cars, and you can only have one, but you have to drive it. You can't sell it to buy back all your old cars with. I want you to just have one and really enjoy it. I know that's hard for you, Dennis. But let's just pretend today you can only have one in that barn of yours. What's it going to be? I, I would probably have to pick, even of all my cars, since I own every model 56 Chevy they made, I would probably want the Nomad with a V8 standard shift and no fluff. Oh, it's just a classic Nomad. Nice. Nice. I love Nomads. They're, they're so cool. What color should I get that for you in, just so I get you the right car? Sierra Gold and Adobe Beige. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's really close to your uh, your little hot rod. Uh, well, a little bit. My my uh, orange crush. <laughs> yeah, mine's a little brighter, maybe a little more bling to the eye. But uh, yeah, Sierra Gold's a beautiful color. Oh my goodness, Dennis! Well, you have taken me and our listeners on a wonderful ride today. I am so glad that we connected. Our good buddy Joe Pep put us together. Joe that's Pep, right. of course, has been a guest. Pepitone has been a guest here in the car show. He does a great radio show, which I've been. Honored to be a guest on. So check that out. Check out Joe Pep's show with me on the Cars Yow website. I want to thank you, Dennis, for sharing an incredible journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you drive off into the sunset in that beautiful Chevy Nova? Nomad, I should say. Not a Nova. I don't want you to the wrong car. That Chevy Nomad. Yeah, I'd have to go back to what I just said. You know, give and it will be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Treat others as you would have them treat you. Jesus meant what he said. The golden rule always wins. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your YouTube channel? Uh, well, go to the YouTube channel, watch it, send me comments, just be polite. I know I don't know every car and I don't hit them all right the first time. And, you know, I'm working on a 56 Chevy convertible now that I bought years ago just because I felt bad for it. <laughs> and I realized that sometime in 1980, the, the last registered owner probably skidded on the road in snow. Because in 1980, a 56 Chevy wasn't worth a whole lot. And it went into the guardrails pretty hard, really wrinkled up the passenger side, but it was all below the uh, the belt line. And it had a 265 power pack with a three-speed overdrive in a convertible. I felt bad for it. And I go, you know, it's still got those snow tire sneakers on. So it probably happened in the snow. <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> detective know? work there. It's been a challenge, and and my partner, uh, Johnny Cannonball Baker, is a really good body man. He was taught by an old-school guy, and he said, yeah, I can fix that. It's going to take some time, but I can fix it. I said, if you let me videotape you 
fixing this car, you'll be on my show. And nice. our friendship started. And no, we don't have a fancy shop. We have a garage, but we have tools and we have knowledge. And we're saving an antique car that won't be tremendously valuable, but it will have some value because it'll run, it'll drive, it'll be straight. And it's a 56 Chevy convertible with a kind of a rare drivetrain. Nice, nice. Well, Dennis, you're the real deal, my friend. Uh, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise. I encourage our listeners to check out Bring Them Back to Life on YouTube. I think you're going to find Dennis is just a down-to-heart, good, old-fashioned, genuine human being. Until you and I meet again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.